This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 421 for Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we're into. Joining me this week, Stephen is back. You can find him at Stephen ESC on all the social media that matters. That's Stephen with a PH, by the way. I have to say, our little pre-show conversation uh, about (laughs) Twitch and some of the behind the scenes stuff that we do uh, was a lot of fun. And if you'd like yeah. to get a hold of that, then that is available as a barista cut to patrons at the barista level. And that is at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. And I want to give a tip of my hat to all the people that are currently supporting the Citadel Cafe on Patreon. This is how we make money for the show. This is how I free up the time in my workday to be able to record and edit and publish the podcast. And it's because of you fine folks here at the beginning of the month that we get paid. And I really appreciate it. It's It's a great thing to be able to have been doing this show that is later on this month turning 10 years old in november of 2021 oh, right. so, november 17th, yeah. wasn't it yes it has been it's been nearly 10 years and i need to get off my butt and organize what i'm doing for that event because i'd like to at least commemorate it somehow um so um hopefully we'll we'll be able to sort that out i'll start, i'll talk with you and lou and brockett and uh, maybe alistair offline and we'll we'll figure something out um nice. but um yeah, my day has been basically kind of um, consumed by by Twitch stuff. So I won't bore people too much, but if you want to check it out, it's at twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan. I took the afternoon off from all my work responsibilities and I streamed Satisfactory, which I talked about last week on the show <laughs> uh, and got a really good handle on the shapes and the designs and the possibilities of the new building parts. And I feel like I've really kind of hit a stride with what I'm doing. So um, nice. hopefully that's something that's interesting to people. Um, what have you been up to, man? Like, I feel like it's 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 been a while since we, you and I have even caught up just as friends. Like, we've just been both pretty busy. What's what's new? Yeah, I mean, I just finished up a big freelance project that's been occupying my evenings and weekends for a few months now. It might even be a little bit longer than that. So um, that is done. I just need to walk the client through the back end of WordPress to show them where things are. And then then it's billing time, which I'm very (laughs) (laughs) grateful for. And, you know... I'm grateful to be able to do that, but also grateful to be able to do that when they're happy with the final product. I just. That's yeah, the trifecta. It's, just, it's, it's the exactly. checkbox. I'm done. Next project, please. Uh, also, yeah. I get paid. Hey, that's cool. And they are really happy with it. Triple check. That That's that's the end of a, of a good project, I find. Um, I'm, exactly. And, as much as I appreciate getting paid, I almost enjoy the other two more. <laughs> like, yeah, the, no, they like true. it and I mean, I'm done. <laughs> Yeah. And I've done some, you know, I don't often put myself out there for free work, but just when people need a hand with stuff and they're happy Mm -hmm. with what they get and the project ends up like, it just feels like a very, sometimes I'll do that for small products just for the creative difference. Because my day job is a lot of, a lot more technical and a repetition of the same thing. So to just be able to have a bit of, a bit of design creative outlet, I'll do a little freebie on the side and, and yeah, they're like happy client project completed tidily. And yeah. Those are super satisfying. So, but yeah, and uh, 
and and it's with that money that I'm going to be picking up the the new Nintendo Switch in the next little while if you know supply levels are good around town. I don't know. I haven't even looked into it to see what they're like. Um, when does it come out? Yeah, it came out already. Actually, I believe oh. it was it was October something. I think I could be wrong. Uh, I may need to look that up. But it was uh, if it's not out yet, it should be out soon. I know the the plan was to have it out um, leading up to the the holiday season. Um, no, it is out already. I've I've seen friends post online that they've gotten theirs already. So I don't have the money for it yet. So I, I don't want right. it to be one of those things where I buy it and then something something ridiculous happens where the money doesn't come for a while and then it's just sitting on my credit card for longer right. than it should. Yeah, no, so I hear you. I'm, I'm, I'm being a good boy and <laughs> waiting till the money arrives, but um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, the new, uh, again, we, I've mentioned before, I love Mario Kart, so I'd get the Mario Kart Deluxe. Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, we'd all play that as a family. I've been wanting to play uh, Minecraft Dungeons, so I'd pick that up for sure as well. Dude, when uh, you play Minecraft Dungeons, let me know because they've got crossplay now. So ooh. I'm I I'm I'm pretty sure I I haven't played it in a long time, but I am pretty sure that now it's all crossplay. I think that Nintendo and PC and Xbox, like I think we can actually connect. Okay, yeah, um, we'll definitely talk because yeah. it's just. I'm looking forward to playing it because I've seen people stream it online and I've seen my sons play it and it just looks, you know, the familiarity of Minecraft, but it just, it looks like a different game. And oh, I just, it's so fun. I, I kind of yeah. want to dive in there and play. So I'm looking forward to that. It's really straightforward too. Like to get into, it's basically like, see that it's moving, smack it. Like just That's bash it. it with your sword. That's <laughs> it. Or shoot it with an arrow. That's if it moves, kill it is basically how it goes. Well, it's zombies already dead, but still like it just, you know, yeah. You know the gist. Do it again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bright, colorful, cartoony, really good graphics, um, fun little story. I haven't even finished it. I, I live vicariously through uh, through Johnny on the Spawn Chunks, who's gotten a lot farther in it than, than I have. Um, nice. By the way, depending on your budget, speaking of Minecraft Dungeons, um, you can buy the base game for, I think, 20 bucks. Uh, or right. you can spend 40 and get the base game and all the DLC. And the DLC mm. comes at like six bucks a piece and you get like five or six of them for twenty dollars so it's like getting oh yeah four for the six for the price of four sort of deal but they really extend the story and they extend the gameplay like tenfold and so while there are updates to the game that are happening for free from time to time the the dlcs are are definitely worth that package because even then it still comes in well underneath triple a game titles like 40 bucks for the amount of gameplay for minecraft dungeons considering that your entire family can have fun with it right um, exactly yeah that's that's and awesome. it's funny that you funny that you mentioned that it comes in cheaper than the other ones i, w- I was just going to touch on that so mario part's going to probably run me whatever it is like 96 with tax canadian oh Ouch. yeah Ooh. Nintendo game. games are not cheap. So like yeah. So a game like like um Minecraft Dungeons, that price point you're saying 40 bucks. Like man, I can I can deal with $40. So yeah. good. Yep. And Minecraft Dungeons for anybody that's an Xbox or a Minecraft or a Microsoft person, that's part of Xbox Game Pass or PC oh. game, yeah, for Game Pass Ultimate. So um I have access. I've already bought it. I bought it before I had an Xbox. So I I played it on PC. I I own the base game, but I I had to buy all the other DLC, um, which isn't part of it, uh, Game Pass. Um, but that's the why DLCs I, are not part of. No, so they're not part of Game Pass. You have to buy the DLC separately. But if you own, okay. if you have Game Pass, which is a subscription service, then because Microsoft owns Mojang and Minecraft, 
then they throw in Minecraft. Both Minecraft, Bedrock, and Java Edition is part of Game Pass, and so is the base game for um, for Minecraft Dungeons. So for right. anybody out there that wants to try Minecraft Dungeons without buying it and try a number of other games, you could just sub to Xbox Game Pass for a month and see if you like it. Um, I, Because of the price of games and because of the the fear of trying before I buy uh, mm. and really would have to be in bed with a franchise to just buy without looking at it. <laughs> um, that's one of the reasons why I like Xbox Game Pass. Now, $16.99 is a little bit pricey. You multiply that over the course of the year. And yes, that's a couple of full game purchases easily. However, when I'm part of that service, I have access to a lot of different games. Yeah. Um, so that kind of makes up. Now, I don't have the time to play a lot of different games. I have a time to try a lot of different games, apparently. Um, but what I uh, will be doing later on this month, uh, which is why my subscription is not on auto renew, is during the Black Friday sales, you can often pick up Xbox Game Pass cards on like Amazon. And it you can get them for sale for three months in chunks or six months in chunks. And it boils down to uh, $10 a month, roughly compared to oh, nice. 16.99. So I can save if I buy it all at once. And I'm just like, I tried it out this year. I thought I'll buy in three months chunks. And if it comes to the summer and I don't want to sub for the summer, I'll just let it lapse. I used it all year long. Uh, it was just worth it to have those games on the weekends when I wanted to pick up and play. So um, so I'll be doing that again this year, uh, which is cool. But yeah, man, having, having access to Dungeons on Switch, um, Mario Kart's a good one. There's a new Metroid game that just came out. Oh yes, um, thank you. That was another. I was trying to remember that for the, the for the recording, but that that's another one I would love to pick up. And there's a game, uh, Moon Glow Bay or something. I, Cosmic is going to be mad at me. She just looked this up for me on stream today. <laughs> uh, I and it's um, it's a fishing game that just came out. I think it's on Switch. It looks like it would be uh, Moon Glow Bay. I got it right. Uh, nice. That just came out today. I think I've mentioned it on this show, or maybe I mentioned it in the render distance on on the. Um, the Spawn Chunks podcast, but it's like a pixel art. No, well, sorry, it's voxel based, so it looks like Minecraft in that it's 3D cube stuff. Um, but it's basically like one of those chill fishing games where you kind of like go, you fish, you collect things, and um, it looks like it's very pleasant. It looks like a very stress free game, uh, which some people might need these days. So that that is mm -hmm. out either now or soon. I find I feel like it's it's out soon, but it's on. Um, one series X Microsoft windows. Uh, it doesn't say that it's on switch, but it's the kind of thing that screams that it should be on switch. So maybe it's coming in yeah. later date. I don't know. Uh, uh I... released October 26th. Okay. On, so it was recent on, on steam anyway. I'm not sure if it's ah, dates okay. are different elsewhere, but right. Cool. Just found it. Yeah. So, but looks like a fun little game. Uh, looks like a fun nice. little game. Uh, the other thing that I've resubbed to is crave. Uh, I was talking with Alistair about this last week and decided to take the plunge. I'm going to mm. pause my Netflix subscription midway through the month, whenever that comes up for renewal. I think it's like the 25th or something. And I resubbed to Crave in Canada. And people are like, why would you do that, Joel? What's Crave? Because uh, a lot of listeners are obviously not from Canada. Uh, <laughs> Crave is the equivalent of like ABC and CBS content in Canada. So that's how I get Star Trek is I don't have cable, but I subscribe to Crave and then I get Discovery when it premieres on the 18th. I can watch that new Prodigy cartoon that Alistair talked about last week and I can catch up on Discovery from last season, which I didn't finish, uh, as well as watch Picard later on when it comes out. Uh, I thought I was going to get a lot more HBO content, but it turns out that nope. HBO Max does not 
fold over into Canada, we've got the different version of HBO, which is infuriating because Bell Media has a exclusive deal with HBO and that's the only way that you can get it is through Crave. And the Crave doesn't give you an option anymore. So for a while there, I could cr subscribe to Crave and get the Star Trek stuff I wanted for 10 bucks a month. And if I wanted HBO, I could add $10 a month for 20 and get HBO now um, or HBO like as well. And they've scrapped that and it's just 20 bucks. You don't have a choice and you get Crave and HBO. Now it's fine. Oh, geez. Because I would have, now this month I would have wanted to. Like if I was giving up my $20 yeah. Netflix, I was going to go for HBO. Because I'm thinking like there's only a handful of shows on like regular network television that I would actually watch. Most of the stuff that I would want to watch is like HBO, catching up on Westworld or whatever. Um, and and movies. I was thinking like, you know, some of the DC properties and uh, like Birds of Prey and not Birds of Prey. Um, Harley, the Harley Quinn movie that came out, the Emancipation oh. of Harley Quinn, like all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, what was that one that Lou talked about on the show a little while ago? Um Suicide Squad, like all, all that kind of content is there. And, uh, and I'll get into a, a pick uh, later on this, this episode about uh, the WB or DC content on HBO. Um, but I was pretty disappointed because I really wanted to watch Dune and I thought I was going to get access on HBO in Canada. Turns out, nope, I don't know when or how that will eventually make it to, to HBO and if it'll come to Canada, but it's not the day and date premiere of theaters and hbo max it's i think I oh the new dune. dune the new dune yeah the old dune is there front and center and i was just like that's not the one i want not the one from 84 <laughs> thanks i've seen it it's fine i just don't want to watch it again uh anyway so that's that's where i am with my streaming content and um, i'm going to try to keep people more apprised as to what i'm subscribed to and stuff on the show i feel like that <laughs> might be things that people are interested in um so uh, as of right now it's pretty much everything I have Amazon Prime, I've got Netflix, I've got Disney Plus, and I have um, Crave, and now HBO. So if I can't find anything to watch, then that is my own fault. Yeah, <laughs> a little too picky, perhaps. Right? So uh, while we're talking about what we're watching and stuff, what, what's been on your small screen or big screen the last little while? I've been actually re-watching a lot of things in the last little while. I, I'm not sure why I'm... I'm usually looking for a new thing to kind of catch my eye and watch, but you know, just I guess with the new Matrix movie coming out later this year, uh, you know, we've gone back and started watching the first three installments again. My uh, one of my sons had seen them all, but my other son hadn't, so we're just kind of watching them again as a family, which is pretty cool. Uh, season four of Stranger Things is coming out year, so we decided to again go back and watch seasons one through three because boys are old enough now that they can enjoy it. Plus, I don't. I'm just, I was just flipping through Netflix, and there's a show that I used to watch called Sensate, which is definitely not for the kids, so they're not watching it. But they they did two seasons, canceled it. There's public outcry, and they um, so they created a movie afterwards to kind of wrap up the entire storyline, which is cool. So I, which I have not seen, so I've gone back and watching season one and two of that again. So it's been really great going back and seeing them again because I I know that I enjoyed them. But, you know, some of the cool parts that were in them that made you enjoy them the first time that I'd forgotten about some of them. So it was neat to see them again. Um, you know, or some things you don't forget, like the first scene, first time you see Trinity jump in the air and the camera does the, you know, the signature pan around her while she's in the air and then she kicks the guy. It's just, it's a classic now. And it's just seeing that again with my sons for the first time, it was just, it was pretty darn cool. And then there's the lobby scene and 
the I know Kung Fu's just a lot of a lot of really neat stuff to see again. And then Stranger Things, you you know, you the first time you're introduced to Millie Bobby Brown as Eleven, you you knew she was going to be like she was just talented and going to be a star. So it just it's just kind of neat to see all of those things and ap- appreciate them uh, for a second time. Actually, in some cases, a third or fourth time around now. I can't remember how many times I've seen The Matrix. So I've seen, I guess... it, I've seen it a number of times and I did start to watch it again maybe this year at some point, but I never got too far into it. Like, I think I got to the part where they did the whole Kung Fu thing and then I got distracted or I had to go and I, I never came back to it. And it's got, not that it isn't good or isn't enjoyable. It's just like I've seen it before. So there's not that pressing urge to like go back and finish it, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's made me realize, though, I've probably only seen the second and third movie, I don't know, maybe two or three times. The the first one I've seen a bunch. Like, that one could have easily been a standalone movie on its own and, and not had the sequels afterwards. I mean, it was it was successful enough that it was just screaming for sequels. But that, the um, part two and three, I think they just... There's a lot that I liked about the second one, but then it also relied so heavily on CGI for some of the fight scenes where the the first movie was just all camera work and cables and stuff like that. And, and just so spectacularly done that the reliance on CGI in the second one kind of made me go, ah, uh, and back then, yeah. And back then it wasn't as good as it is now. No, you know? And so I, yeah, I find that, I find that tricky sometimes. And we all have such a good eye for it because there's movies that are now knocking it out of the park, like the new Spider-Man films and, the um any like any of the later avengers films the special effects oh, yeah. are just phenomenal um to the point where like you know you you stop thinking about thanos as a cg character you just he's thanos <laughs> you know uh and so that kind of stuff is just is really really hard to overlook i i've gone back to watch um some older films and even if they're not special effects heavy films like maybe an old rom-com or an old drama uh, I find it can be very hard sometimes with like a big 4K TV and then you're watching something that hasn't been rescanned or hasn't been updated. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, well, this looks like hot garbage. And yep. I, I don't know if I can do it. Like, I'm not sure if this is something <laughs> that I can get through. And sometimes it's not just the video. Sometimes the audio is really garbled and it's hard. I mean, I know just the television is not going to have the best speakers, but I still got better speakers than the TVs in the 80s. So it should be fine, right? Um, yeah. but unless the film, if the film is a cult classic, then it's less likely that it's been remastered. Whereas something more recent, like I've been tempted and hopefully we'll have a chance to go watch the original Ghostbusters, uh, before the new sequel comes out, uh, in a, in a right. couple of weeks. And that ha- is popular enough and has enough of a, of a following that that's been redone a number of times. Right. right. Uh, not franchises like star Wars. Cause we all know those get revisited and retouched up and, you know, updated and all that kind of stuff for every new media that comes out. Same with Lord of the Rings, but for other movies, there's, there's that hit and miss, you know, and I remember rubber Neo from the matrix two and three and, and wasn't overly thrilled with it. I remember the, the third matrix being weird. Like it went from being cool to being weird. And that's yeah. when I kind of checked out, unfortunately. I like weird, but it was, um, I, I, I actually think I'm trying to remember back because like I said, it's been, I've seen two and three fewer than I've seen the first one. And I remember liking the third one more than the second one because it relied less heavily on the CGI. So I'm looking forward to it again because I, I think that's the one that I've probably seen 
the least. But I remember, I have a remembrance of liking it more than the second one. And I didn't hate the second one. There was just like, because I st- it was still good. There's just that one fight scene, which is, you know, all things considered pretty epic, but the CGI just takes it down from that I am in awe level to cool fight scene. Like, it, it's not amazing and oh i need to tell everybody about this it's like yeah that was pretty cool but the trailer for the new one i've only seen the teaser i haven't seen the full trailer is there there more than just the teaser i think it's just the teaser yeah but i think like as far as i can tell everything in that so far is either real people or it's done with you know today's level of cgi as opposed to um the second movie's level of cgi but it just looks like they've they've done some things that just make it look so like there's a distant shot of somebody jumping off a building and it just looks uh, it's just like a nice such a nice touch. Um it's going to be weird not having Lawrence Fishburne or Hugo Weaving. Neither one of them are in the movie as far as I know. They weren't invited back. Looks like they have a younger actor playing a Morpheus like character. So I'm, I'll be curious to see how that plays out. The love interest for Neo. What's the actress name? Uh, Carrie Ann Moss. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She's been doing all kinds of stuff this whole time. Oh, yeah. And of course, Keanu Reeves has been doing action movies like it's going out of style since The (laughs) Matrix. So there's going to be some some experience, I think, brought to a new Matrix film. Mm -hmm. And they're older now, too. So there's a a good chance that the, the action sequences that we've seen from back in the day won't necessarily they won't necessarily be able to pull them off so there's a good chance that we'll get cool stuff but there might it might be a more of a story driven movie as well which i wouldn't mind at all because uh yeah Mm -hmm. i think that could be really well done have you seen the john wick movies yes yeah like that i mean i know that they're stuntmen like i get i get that some of the stuff like all the Kung Fu stuff that's hand to hand is definitely Keanu Reeves. But any, like when he's jumping off a horse or jumping off a motorbike, I understand that that's not, not him, uh, but yeah. they, it's so well done and so heavily practical stunts, you know, like there's a real respect for the stunt crew. And uh, whenever I've seen him interviewed about those movies, uh, he's always just so modest and thankful and, and quick to thank the stunt people and all that kind of stuff. And it's, uh, they're, they're, they lack a little bit on the story side, but but they are yeah. they are fun action movies. A little bit violent, <laughs> wee bit, a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We we've toyed with the idea of sharing them with the boys. Um, they're kind of getting to the age where that might be okay. It's, you know, as long as you say, look, there's a lot of shooting in this. You may not like it, but it's like, it's all acting. None of it's real. We can watch a tiny bit of it and it bother you. Then that's when then we can stop. But it's um, it's like the fight sequence choreography is even though it's not like your normal kung fu type choreography or i shouldn't say normal but the stuff that i used to see as fight choreography it's all guns and stuff but the choreography of the people coming in how the whole scene plays out and and from what i recall there's some lengthy scenes that don't have cuts in them very much so yeah without edits that are just really well handled and i'm I'm a sucker like for scenes with no cuts to the point that if I'm watching something and I'm about 30 seconds into it and I go, wait, wait, they haven't cut yet. Got to rewind it and then watch it from the beginning again so I can take in the full appreciation of the no cut. Like 
sometimes I won't necessarily realize it right, right away and then I'll kind of get partway into it and go, no, 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 I need to go back and enjoy it all. There's a science behind that too. And why as we're older, we appreciate that kind of stuff. Uh, hmm. I don't remember the YouTuber and I don't remember the YouTube show that they were talking about. This is a clip that I saw on TikTok, but in, in simple terms, they were saying, oh, you're wondering why this new show that your kid just can't get enough is like crack for kids on on youtube here's why and they show mm. a normal kids cartoon it's like here's this kid cartoon watch how often the scene cuts and it's like once every like three maybe five seconds and it's it's a kid show that's aimed at like you know four-year-olds and right. then this new youtube property i kid you not steven it there's a cut every second it's like one one thousand cut one one thousand cut one one thousand cut and it's the same scene Right, it's just that the camera's getting closer, or the camera's changing an angle, or the changes—they're backing out so that it's it's brighter or it's yeah. darker, and it's it's basically just like flashing. It's just like flashes every sixty seconds, which is why kids just—they it's like feeding the attention span of a gnat, you know? Like it's such a contrived garbage. I mean, the person pointing it out was excellent, but the fact that this show exists, I was like, oh gosh, that's awful. <laughs> I'm hoping my. My friends that are parents that have little ones are not letting them watch that. Mm. So I haven't so even rough. heard of it. And, oh, and I, and I well because I didn't I didn't name the show because I don't remember what it is. But there's there's some new show out there that's like all 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 hyped up for the the little tots. Um, and uh, I I don't know what it is. But anyway, not not a big deal. I just but like the fact that you and I both appreciate the longer cuts. Uh, I definitely notice when there when a, a filmmaker will break the rules, uh, and sometimes they do it on purpose. And sometimes they just do it and you're just like, mm, that was a rough cut. Like you crossed the axis yeah. there and I noticed and I'm calling you on it and I'm mad yep. because you're Hollywood and you know better, <laughs> you yeah. know better. The one thing that I have really enjoyed and I'm trying to remember what show it was in that I was watching this in. Was it, oh, you know what it was? It was um, that horror show I watched on Netflix, uh, Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass, yeah. They do this thing where they frame the character facing left but well to the left of the screen oh so they're yeah. they feel very crowded by the frame of the camera and it's really uncomfortable and it's meant to give you that feeling because the conversation that's happening is really uncomfortable and yeah. i love that kind of stuff we're like okay i see what you're doing it's working and i understand why <laughs> and i was like that's so so good i, I love it when filmmakers use techniques like that i don't want to say tricks when they use techniques like that to communicate emotion with not just the acting and the and the and the verbal stuff it's also the cinematography and like where mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff lines up it's crazy cool and the matrix had a lot of that if i remember not necessarily that that dynamic back then but like the visual storytelling in the matrix was as important as yes uh as what was going on because they didn't just slow down time to that bullet time for the sake of it it was to illustrate how fast the characters were moving, how much they were perceiving at any one time. Like there had, there was a rhyme and reason for it. It wasn't just, this looks cool. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I forgot the, uh, when the helicopter bangs into the, crashes into the building and it does that ripple thing, you know, it's just, wow, what a cool effect. That's pretty neat. And I can't remember if I mentioned it here before, if it was somewhere else, but the, um, the slow-mo guys, it's a, couple of dudes out of england um don't know exactly where or somewhere in britain they um 
they record things in super slow motion and the, the more popular they've gotten the slower cameras they've been able to purchase so they've got some really cool gear and they threw a rock i believe it was a rock or it was, some, it was something hard at a window and had it slowed down to, i think it was three thirty-two thousand frames per second or something stupid slow like that and the glass rippled on impact the same way that it did the building did when the helicopter hit it and then it shattered to pieces so it was what i just thought was a cool effect in um the matrix is actually the way a piece of glass ripples before it shatters so it's pretty neat it's really cool i've seen i've seen a number of clips from that youtube channel there and they, they do some fun stuff i've seen fire like <laughs> bullets into gelatin and um exploding water tanks of stuff and there's there's some very very cool things the last slow-mo thing i saw which wasn't i don't know if it was done by them but someone took one of those really big star wars lego sets uh, the Super Star Destroyer, the the UCE oh, yeah. edition, and they dropped it from I don't know how high onto a very hard surface to mimic the Super Star Destroyer in Return of the Jedi crashing into the Death Star, uh, slowly creening down, and then it blows up, and there's this huge fireball. But they did it with Lego, and of course, pieces go everywhere. It's not it's yeah. not as fantastic as you think. A lot of the pieces stick together quite well, so it's more like large chunks of the ship are flying. Um, and also you just kind of like, <laughs> if you have enough disposable income to buy that thing and then drop it like that, we need to yeah. have, we need to have a conversation. I will, I will gladly take that off of your hands. <laughs> well, um, as you were explaining it, my brain was going, but, but pieces could actually snap. Yeah. High level. Oh yeah. You no, might, yeah. Or, or bend. So that's no longer you. Why, why would you, why would you, why would you do that? Yeah. I will take the carcass off their hands and it would still be yeah. cheaper to buy the replacement parts and put it together myself than it would be, <laughs> than it would You're be to, to get it brand new. Uh, I was looking the other day, um, looking for internet minute stuff on the Lego channels I often do. And, uh, it is disturbing how some of the biggest sets are still in the, you know, six to $900 range Canadian Oof. for Lego sets. Um, Millennium Falcon is still the biggest, I think. The Titanic has taken the cake as the largest set piece-wise number of pieces. Um, and I would argue... The Titanic? Yep, the Titanic. The one that Leo sank on. That one. Uh, it's... Uh, that yeah. feels in poor yeah. taste. Yeah. It, well, you know, there's a lot of ship nerds out there. There's a lot of engineers and a lot of shipbuilders. You know, ships in a bottle, model ships. There's a lot of that out there. So I get it. I think it might be more of a European thing than a than a North American thing, uh, but it's but just if, it's it's just the ship, right? There's not pull this lever and it kind of separates. Into no, two. no, it's just the ship. Okay. It's, it's it's like one of the, it's one of the fancier um you know adult sets that's meant to be like a giant showcase piece, like across like your a, mantle. A model, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking, I mean, it's cheaper than the Millennium Falcon, but if I've got that much money for a Lego set, I'm buying the Millennium Falcon, not not. Yeah. Not the, uh, <laughs> not the, uh, the Titanic. Now th that said, the Titanic would be easier to place in your house somewhere because it's long and thin and looks like a normal ship where the Millennium Falcon is the size of a bloody f coffee table. <laughs> Just, where do yes. you put it? It's like, this is amazing. Where does it go? <laughs> and the Millennium Falcon would definitely change the overall decor feel of a place where, you know, a Titanic or a traditional ship could go on a mantle and people would look at it and go, oh, cool. And then just, it would be be part of the decor where if you had a massive Millennium Falcon be, well, this guy loves Star Wars, that's for sure. What are you trying to say about the four Star Wars Lego sets that are on top of the bookshelves in my living room, Stephen? 
No. Are you trying to say something? <laughs> is it jealousy that I detect? Do I? Do a little I... bit, a little bit. <laughs> I don't have anywhere I could be able, be able to put anything like that anyway. I mean, I'm not as big of as big of a Star Wars fan as you, anyhow. But I just, yeah. as much as I would love to get some cool Lego pieces and sets, I just I get nowhere to put them. Yeah, that's the thing too. I always think about that when I buy a Lego set. It's really fun to do. And then I think about like, okay, well, this is going to be fun. Where am I going to put this when it's done? Because it's it like yeah. I need I need to be able to display it to justify the fact that I've purchased it. Well, Very different story if I had a Lego city. Like if I had my spare room tidied up and I had like a Lego table in there that had like a train and towers oh. and stuff on it. Uh, yeah, big, big, big change of conversation then. <laughs> Your, your Twitch channel would have an entirely, an entirely different set of shows up there as well. Uh, yeah, for we're sure. We're working on the yep. medieval realm. We're yep. not talking the Citadel here, folks. No, nope, <laughs> we're realm talking and Lego. Lego. Yeah. Um, so I, I noticed that uh, you've been watching some Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, that is the other service that I mean to pick up this month because uh, of the show that you're watching, Foundation. So without spoilers, how is it? Um, I'm not sure if you're a fan of the books. I've heard some mixed review from people who had the books and loved them. Um, it's it's based on the books. Other people say it shouldn't say based on the books. It should say like inspired by the books. Okay. Um, but as somebody who's not familiar with the story, other than what the trailer has told us, where basically um, this civilization's futures, like the, the demise of this civilization has been seen in the math so this uh it's predicted by character name uh harry selden i believe it yeah harry selden played by jared harris and basically he's predicted the the fall of the civilization and people say that's impossible oh you're just you know false prophet or whatever whatever I forget the words that they use but he's like no it's like i'm not predicting it like i follow the math the math shows this is going to happen and so, the, I mean, there's no secret to that because that's like, if you've seen the trailer at all, or if you've seen any of the teasers on YouTube, it's like, that's, that's part of the package that they present that the story is about. So it's, um, it's a visually beautiful show. Um, and from what I've read in an article is that, um, there's not a lot of description about the technology, like visually what the technology looks like. So there's some liberties taken in what these ships and space stations and things look like um but it is cool there's there's one ship at one point where that has a actually i won't get into it too too much but near the beginning there's a ship that has a light drive in it and at first we thought "Mm, that part's on it just for looks and then it does the thing that makes it go light speed and we all went oh neat and so okay cool i won't ruin it for you because it was it was a thing that um yeah visually that was pretty impressive um yeah i mean it's got lee pace in it it's one of the main characters i like him in basically everything he's in i think he's a good actor um for those of you folks who don't know lee pace he he played ronin in the marvel movies he was also uh, i'm gonna forget his name the the leader of the elves in the hobbit series and also the uh he was the pie man in the series that we loved called pushing daisies back in the day but he's a yeah i quite like him he's a good actor so the story takes place in the far distant future where the empire um, is the reigning power over the entire galaxy. And, and as I said, I'm not going to get into spoilers too, too much, but it does a bit of time hopping uh, between 
a future time and a past time, which I thought might get a bit confusing, but they only really touch on the future briefly. And then the rest of the story so far takes place in the past where the story sort of, where this prediction of the demise takes place. So the main character is uh, Gail Dornick, played by Lou Lobel. I may be pronouncing the last name incorrectly. I apologize, Lou. But she's a, she's a young genius who wins a math competition and is allowed to go meet this Harris character. So then basically um, you get two different worlds that come kind of combine and they meet and this prediction happens and then everything sort of goes sideways from there. And I guess that's all I'll say now because it's, it's easy to talk about it and spoil some details and things like that. And I don't want to do that for you, but it's um, at the time I wrote these notes, we'd only watched the first episode, but r- literally right before uh, watching this while we were eating supper, sorry, literally right before recording this, while we were eating supper, we watched the second episode. So it's um, it's uh, still good. Le- kind of left me a little bit confused um, as to where they're going to go with the story now. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, we're only two step episodes in and, and there's, I think, 10 total in the season. It's just, it, it was not a, conf- I should say, it was not a confusing episode. It just made me wonder what they're going to do next. I'm glad that Apple TV Plus is doing this in the same way that Disney releases a lot of their stuff, which is week to week. Now, one thing to consider is like yeah, um, the Apple TV Plus, I think it's only $5.99 a month unless I'm messing up the price. I've got a part of my um, sort of my Apple One subscription that has my iCloud in it, Apple TV, family Apple Music, and basically the services that I use right. packaged together at a discounted price, um, which is... I'm always happy for that. You know, discount is good. Well, when you can, when you can bundle that kind of stuff, it makes sense, right? I always, yeah. I, I looked, I look at that kind of stuff and where I lose out is that I'm not a big music guy. And mm. I mean, I like it, but I don't like it enough for a $10 a month subscription. And right. so the bundle ends up being like, well, it's cheaper for me just to go the seven bucks, you know, um, because I think my, my iCloud bill is something like a dollar fifty a month or something nominal um right so like it's still it's still under that ten dollar mark you know yeah for the two of them but but that's good to know that they bundle for the folks out there that that want to to have that or or have uh, that's the other thing that that um comes up quite often with me i'm not a family right whereas you've got yeah you know a number of people listening to music watching stuff and like and and more and more devices to then back up on the cloud and so i mean it makes more exactly. sense the more people that are on it of course yeah, and my older guy now, he's a, he's all loves music. He's got stuff going all the time. He's he, he's he's basically plugged into his headphones and his phone listening to music most of the day, which and <laughs> it, well, and you know the, the songs that you would buy through iTunes back in the day, 99 cents each or 99 cents US, which would be a dollar 29 or dollar 39 up here in Canada. And man, that stuff adds up. So the yeah. basically having the 14.99 a month have everyone have access to all the music that they want to listen to is pretty sweet deal and i've got a decent enough data playing on my phone that when i go in the car i just i plug my phone in and i have apple music playing where wherever i drive so it's like i have music that i want as opposed to um sorry halifax but just radio radio stations stations that i cannot listen to like they're they're just there were a handful of good ones and then they've all flipped over to ones that I just, yep. I can't spend too long on. Unfortunately. I'm the same way. I also can't stand advertisements or at least I can't stand advertisements that are not targeted 
I know it sounds like yeah. a weird thing to say, but like I do listen to Spotify and I'm still training my brain. I only recently this summer switched to a unlimited plan where I could actually listen to something streaming on my walk to the gym for half an hour and not worry about running through my data and getting a big bill. Um, for those nice. wondering, sales services and prices in Canada suck. So it's hard. To con- yeah, it's it's hard to justify, but I ended up getting a discount because my internet service provider is the same as my mobile provider and they give me a nice. discount. So then it make it made it feasible for me to make the leap. And uh, that allows me to do a lot more, call more people nationwide, all that kind of stuff. But it also means that I have to remember that when I'm walking to the gym with my phone and I'm done or I'm just not in a podcast listening mood, I can go, wait a minute, I can stream Spotify and listen to any song I want between now and, and the gym. And it only takes me like, a 60 second commercial to get 30 minutes of commercial free. And that commercial is probably for a podcast I'm interested in or some piece of tech or a game <laughs> that I'm just like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. Because of course, I mean the, the phone, everything tracks me. It's fine. I get it. But it means yeah. that I'm not like listening to an ad for diapers on the radio, you know, or, or something that I don't care about. Like, sports games and stuff like that i don't care about that kind of stuff because i don't watch that many i do like the odd you know live sport event but it's not something in my every day so i don't care about those commercials so being able to um being able to listen to an ad that's decent and then go on and and listen to music you know however i want i'm still trying to train my brain um and it comes in handy specifically going to the gym you know like you just you get 10 minutes out, you're like, I'm going to switch this podcast over to maybe some ACDC or, you know, some Led Zeppelin or something that's a little bit more, more my mindset before going into lift mm-hmm. heavy weights. You know, um, I find it very handy. I just have to remember to do it is my, is usually my, my issue, but it sounds like foundation is good. I haven't talked to many people about it, but mainly because I've not, I've not been seeking out that conversation because I need to get off my butt, sign up for my free week, which I meant to do like the first of November. Uh, and, and get in there and watch a couple of episodes and catch up so that I can then have these water cooler conversations with everybody. Well, one thing you may want to consider is that I think there, I think episode eight of foundation is out. So you may want to just, wow. Eight of 10, I think it's, it's started, I think in September. And so you may want to just wait a tiny bit and you could probably, and I'm not, I'm not saying just do it for the one month and then don't do any more. But if you wanted to just, you know, save money and you think that you might take in those 10 episodes over the course of a month and there's just, you know, just in case there's nothing else that you want to watch on there, just wait till it's done, start it, watch the show, cancel it, and then wait till season two comes back on for your renewed or something like, yeah, yeah. that's something I wish that I could look at doing with the services that we subscribe to. But, you know, we, we do Amazon, uh, Amazon prime, but partially because for shipping prices and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then and then we do Netflix, but there are shows that we are we constantly have on the go in Netflix. Like Netflix has got us. There seems to be something that comes out, and we're in it for the. There's never been a month that I can remember where there hasn't been something that Netflix had for us that we're watching. Yeah. Disney like Plus that, is. I'm like that with like, Disney Plus. I'm like I'm like that. They keep on rolling out these releases on Disney Plus that are just far enough apart. It's like yeah. that's kind of a pain in the butt to unsub for one month. 
um, because uh, they've got other things coming up. But I Netflix is getting like that too. Uh, there's a new movie, Red Notice, coming out this month. Uh, December 17th is the second season of The Witcher, which means I want to oh, go yes. back. I want to go back and rewatch <laughs> the first season and see if I'm just as confused as I was the first time around uh, <laughs> with their terrible storytelling. I like the show. I think I just I well, sorry. I like Henry Cavill and will watch him in just about anything. But but I I really need to get a better handle on on The Witcher. Um, and I keep on meaning to look into buying the books. I hear the books are very good too. Um, yeah. but the season two trailer is out. I watched that the other day for the Witcher and it looks really good and it yeah. looks a little bit more linear because, uh, Geralt and I don't remember the young girl's name that he's now protecting, but the blonde kid, um, not, uh, not no, I don't remember anyway, it's not important. Um, because yeah. I, you know, it's been a year since I've seen the show and I wasn't planning on talking about it, but it, it's one of those things where um, if they're together, then there's hopefully going to be less hopping around. Or at least when they yeah. are together, you'll be like, okay, I know where I am in the story if I'm with them. Hopefully it'll follow a straight line. I feel like that's some feedback they must have at least heard from a lot of people. Um, yeah. And I think the timeline was extra hard to follow at certain points because mm -hmm. Geralt doesn't age. And and again, I didn't plan on talking about it, so I forget the characters' names. But the, the main witch or sorceress character Jennifer in no, I remember one, her name yeah Jennifer right she she goes through a transition a transformation where she no longer ages so you've got these characters that are in multiple timelines that look exactly the same and so it's hard to know what's happening when but my yeah. wife she um she read all the, all of the books and thoroughly enjoyed them and she's a, a massive Henry Cavill fan so <laughs> nice can't blame her <laughs> no i he's very charming i even in yeah. interviews and stuff like that i he's very there's a num there's a number of people that are like that i mean and and like tom hanks i will watch tom hanks be interviewed about just about anything he's just an articulate charismatic charming guy mm -hmm. and and i find cavill's the same way uh he's intelligent he's well read uh he can talk about this kind of stuff at length which i find really interesting um, there's a really good, I don't know whether it was you that recommended it. Somebody recommended it on the show. There's an interview on Netflix. I think it's on Netflix or maybe it was on YouTube. Oh, you know what okay. it was? It was the, it was the Con. They did a WitcherCon event, a virtual convention about the Witcher. Uh, and Henry Cavill was interviewed for like 45 minutes, just him in a chair, other guy in another chair. The other guy was kind of annoying, but, um, you know, stage personality kind of stuff, mm -hmm, but the yeah. answers that Cavill was get was giving and the fact that the show wasn't edited so heavily that they didn't edit out the pauses when he sits and thinks about like how he's going to answer that question. I liked that nature of the interview. It very much felt like a live sit down combo huh. and, and it wasn't like overly produced in that way. Um, so that's worth checking out WitcherCon stuff yeah. if you if you have an cool. opportunity. Uh, and of yeah, course, they don't they don't spoil anything because they're t they don't they kind of hint at what may be coming in season two, but they don't talk about it because they don't want to ruin it. And so, if you've seen season one, then it's free game. You're you know they'll talk about all that kind of stuff in, in season one, which was I thought really cool. Yeah, very neat. Uh, that was not me that recommended it, but I'd uh, I'd be I'm gonna definitely check that out. That's cool. So I'll circle back to HBO. Uh, and what I have been watching. And I wish I had finished it before the t show tonight, but I ended up running late on my stream and I didn't get all the way through. I've got about another half an hour left of Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, 
I'm pretty sure we've talked about it on the show before. I hadn't seen it, but I think Megan had, and she wanted mm. to come on and talk about it. Uh, I'll have to go through my my show notes and archive to make sure that I'm not repeating myself. But <laughs> I hadn't seen it before just this week. And the thing that I remember most about this, because I'm thinking like, I liked the first Wonder Woman movie. Why didn't I go see the second and why haven't I seen it yet? And then I remembered when they released it. January 21st, 2021. Um, no, was it January? Oh. I think it was January. It was in the middle of the pandemic. Like yeah. it was originally out November 19th, November 2019, and then delayed to August 14th, 2020. Um, and then another delay pushed it to October 2nd, 2020. So yeah, it, there was no way I was going to a movie theater to see it. Uh, and as we know now, HBO Max wasn't a, thing that I could access. So, um, at any rate, I've seen most of it now. I don't think it's going to surprise me in the last half an hour, but I was really curious to know how they were going to get, um, Steve Trevor back into the scene. I was really curious about how they were going to handle the 1984 thing because like some films do it really well. Uh, Captain Marvel was set in the nineties for that, that kind of retro vibe in, in the MCU. And um, they handle it very well. Uh, there, mm -hmm. there are some odd parts in the first action sequence, as you've probably seen in the trailers, where it's at a mall. So there's all that mall fashion. Actually, you'd be right up your alley if you were watching Stranger Things recently. Um, oh, yeah, nice. Very bubblegum, bright colors, bright, sunshiny mall. But everything feels very cartoony. And I think it's the combination of the eighties fashion, but then it was also filmed like it was in the eighties, which is very strange to see a modern film have that kind of like bright oversaturated vibe. Um, interesting choice. Yeah. And there was a lot of wire work and a lot of really strange kind of like cutaway things where we've seen wonder woman. We know that she's out there. I don't understand why they're not giving us a full view of her in these shots. And I think part of it, it was the idea that they wanted to kind of like dial it back and have Wonder Woman be a little bit more like a, a blur that comes in and saves the day and then runs away before people even see what's going on. And they get into it later on with some like, you know, B-roll of like news footage saying some mysterious woman saved the day today and we don't know who it is. And I was like, oh, okay, right. So she's lying low, I guess. Um, but it, it gets quickly into the story. And like, I, as I've probably mentioned many times before on the podcast, uh, the movies that she has been in have not always been great. I liked Wonder Woman, but the other DC justice league films and batman v superman have not been amazing but i will watch right. gal gadot in anything i don't care she is uh, like i mentioned about henry cavill and and tom hanks she's charming she's well-spoken she's an excellent actor she just she has that presence and that concern that wonder woman yeah. has like it's it's she's she's gonna punch the bad guys but she's very concerned about humanity and and truth and the things that are important and they they managed to to nail that without making it feel hokey, which I think is is good. Not that there aren't some goofy moments. Uh, some of it I'm sure is fan service for the comics, and I'm just not familiar. So when she spins a lasso like a whirlwind and blocks bullets with it, it's not nearly as cool as her blocking bullets with her gauntlets. And I right. and it and they do it for too long. So she's kind of standing there spinning this lasso for like a minute. And you're just like, uh, okay, this has gone on long enough. But then like, as soon as you roll your eyes and go, that was dumb. Then she does something crazy 
where she kicks the snot of the three guys at once. And it's like, you know, martial arts types moves. But of course, coming with the power of Wonder Woman, she sends them across the bloody room. And they're all people right. you don't like. You know, they're all, you know, bad guys. And you're just like, that was great. And so like <laughs> on the right on the heels of the goofy roll your eyes, there's this amazing moment where she's like, huh, I need to stop this moving Humvee. I know I'll slam my feet into the ground and jump as hard as I can. And she sends the freaking thing flying. And then she's up 60 feet in the air. And you're like, that was badass. <laughs> Like there's some really more cool of stuff. that, please. Yeah. And then followed up by some really goofy moment. Like there's a car chase in the middle of Egypt and they're in the middle of the desert and it's a highway and they're high stakes chase with like armored vehicles and stuff. And then there's kids playing with a soccer ball in the middle of the road. And I'm just like, <laughs> from where? Like what? <laughs> like there's a house and stuff there, but the whole thing is obviously just like not part of any community. It's like, where can we film this? And make yeah. it look like it might have been someone's house. And like it's terribly, terribly done. Uh, so we can't it, have two men carrying a glass pane across the road right here. What else can <laughs> we do that's close? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. It's so contrived. So contrived. And I mean, thankfully, there's fewer moments like that later on. Uh, but the the part that really started to grate me the wrong way maxwell lord is the villain in the film played by pedro pascal actually who's an excellent actor um but not in this uh it's hokey 80s bond villain even for this movie like it's it's no, really it's rough yeah it's unfortunate i mean it shows he's got some range and i guess it's supposed to be comic relief but it's it's really not that good um the the better villain, um, and I'm only just getting to the climax of that confrontation, is in Kristen Wiig, who plays uh, Barbara Minerva, uh, Cheetah, um, and and how she right. gets her powers and kind of becomes that is part of the story. And that's just as interesting as what what's happening with uh, Diana Prince in the film. So, spoiler warning. I won't get into the results or the end of everything, but I'll tell yeah. you exactly. I, I, I would I, like to see it at some point, yeah. I just, I have, which I, I haven't seen it. So. so I'll just get into the, the crux of what's happening and that there is an ancient artifact that grants wishes for a price. So think monkey paw from the Simpsons, right? Right. Uh, be careful what you wish for. And so the, 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 the moral of the whole movie seems to be don't take shortcuts, right? Do the work, get there the right way. Um, and, Every character in it that is part of this story for good or for ill, including Diana Prince, has made a wish on this stone. Now, when Diana Prince did it, um, she didn't think it was real. She just thought, well, whatever, I'll just wish for it. And that's how they work Steve Trevor back into the film. Hmm. And I won't get into anything else, but that's like, that's how he's back in it. So it actually works if you're a fan of magic in your superhero movies, which I'm not. So... That aside, I can see how it works. And I will I will have to kind of like give a nod to the fact that magic is very heavily established in DC, much more over Marvel. Marvel, it's there, but it's kind of like the underlying thing that no one talks about with Doctor Strange. Whereas, yeah. um, whereas with DC, it's all over the place. Like there's the Lazarus Pit and Batman, there's demons, there's all kinds of stuff. So I get that they, you know, they're, they've got it there and Diana Prince is half God, you know, like her, her yeah. dad is apparently Zeus. So like there's, there's a, a, a lot of stuff going there and her lasso glows. So like there's a lot that I can at least. And swings on lightning. Yeah. Is, well, when your dad, I, I, I got that from the trail. Yeah, I guess right. so. I mean, yeah. So there's stuff like that, but see after goofy stuff like that, there are 
cool, poignant, emotional moments that I won't spoil, but they absolutely nail. And they okay. nail in a way that is exclusively Wonder Woman that I feel like only Gadot could do. And they don't copy other superheroes when they do it. And they could have. And they made it their own. Mm. And I really, really enjoy that. There's there's a moment right after the lightning. There's a moment uh, in with Steve Trevor when they're making an escape with a classic Wonder Woman thing that's part of the comics. And the way that they handle it is really cool. Um, right. The thing that I like about the film is that it's not afraid to slow down. It is not an action movie where it's a mile a minute and a cut every second and it's all action with no story. Their story, I, I would say that the emotional parts of the story are what carry it for me. The plot, mm, I could take it or leave it because the mm. plot circles around Maxwell Lord. Like he's doing bad things. Dying a prince has to stop him. Got it but he's doing weird bad things. Like it's not, it's not like even Dr. Evil shot straight, right? Like when, you know, Austin Powers is up against Dr. Evil, you kind of know what's happening. And in this, yeah. you're just kind of like, I really don't understand Lord's motivation. I don't understand how he knew to do the things that he's doing. Like now, and now again, I haven't finished the movie, which means there's probably going to be a villain monologue coming my way in which he will explain everything. Uh, again, trope I'm probably not, not going to like, but, <laughs> but so far, and I'm really, I'm in the final climactic battle. So I just, I had to stop it to record the show, but I, I mean, I would recommend it to people. If you like the first one and you want to go into it with like an eighties comic vibe and, and that open mind of like, this is a superhero has like the powers of Superman plus magic, plus the, the history of, of her mythos has Greek gods in it and, and has that kind of weight. Um, then having people come back from the dead and having people turn into cheetah animals is not that far-fetched, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you consider all of it. Um, yeah. And for the most part, the action in the CG is really good. Um, there are some moments where you're like, ooh, that's rough. Um, most of the stuff that's really good is the practical effects combined with CG. But whenever they've done like pure CG, it's it's been a little bit, it's been a little bit rough. Um, but they, I love in films now, they do a really good job of showing you or at least making it like look like the actor is really running faster than anybody can. Steve Rogers does it in, in, um, in, and not Endgame, in Infinity War. And um, um, they do it in a number Winter of other Soldier. films. Uh, Winter Soldier, same thing. I yeah, just, when, I, he, when he and actually Winter Soldier are running, it looks pretty darn good. And and, he, and Black Panther, they're all doing it at the same time. The, yeah, no. exactly. That's Infinity War. The, uh, across the battlefield in Infinity yes. War. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, and that's what I mean. Like, stuff like that does not look like CG. It just looks like they've taken two different shots and combined them and maybe sped up the footage. And they do that because I mean, when Wonder Woman runs down the street, like, she's passing cars. <laughs> you know? and, yeah. And, but they do it in a way that's not like the flash. It's not like her legs are a blur. She's just taking strides that are 40 feet long. And it's just, it's, it's really cool the way that they handle all that kind of stuff. And the destruction it's, it's, is great too. The one of the things, and I've, I've talked about my, to my family about this before, but the one thing that I would love to love to see movie, movie makers take note. <laughs> is when people are, when people are running fast it's like you're talking with the flash and they, they just zoom around corners and stuff. And you've got other people and they're just 
you know, they're running really fast and they take turns, no problem at the speed. And it drives me crazy. I mean, in Captain America 1, it was pretty good. Like, he takes a corner running at the speed and he just couldn't handle it. And he just goes wide and crashes into a, a storefront window. But it's like, if you think about the amount of force that they're exerting on the ground when they're making a turn, they should be, like, digging in and, like, flecks of pavement should be just breaking off and flying off into the distance. They should be taking chunks out of the ground when they're doing a turn at that speed. But it's usually just they remain 100% upright when they should be leaning almost like a speed skater. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, just show me like how rough that ground would look after somebody is hitting it with that amount of force to go that fast. That's, I would love to see something like, and especially if they're doing that in slow motion, and you just see the ground breaking apart. You're just like, man, this this person is so is they, not just whoosh, 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 looking like they're going fast, like the Flash or vampires in anything. Um, yeah, like they're actually they're they're obeying the laws of physics and still going that fast. I would love to see a turn like that. I feel like they did some of that in the Smallville fight in Man of Steel, but so much of that was hitting things i don't know how much of that Mm. was like speed turning so they get around it in two ways in wonder woman 1984 when she turns a corner she usually uses the lasso to grab onto something vertical like a lamppost and so she she like she runs she lashes out with the lasso and then she pushes off so to turn a corner she's like using the lasso as an anchor like a grappling hook to like turn the corner faster because otherwise that's excellent yeah because she wouldn't be able to but they do I'd have to go back and check. I don't know if they actually bust up the pavement when she does it. But when she's running, no. When she's jumping, though, she does. So she's running down a street and then she has to leap over a tall building or get up into the air. When she does that initial like takeoff, there's definitely a bit of a stone crunch that happens. At the very least, there's the sound effect. I don't know. The camera usually follows her. So I don't know if they show the destruction on the ground or whether they just insinuate, insinuate it with like asphalt crumbling noises or something. Um, but they do, they do a fair amount of that. There's also some times where you just kind of like, that's not how physics work. I don't care how superhero this movie is. <laughs> like, you're just like, ah, yeah. that car wouldn't exactly do that right th- that way, but sure. You know, so stuff like that is a little bit, you know, far-fetched, but I mean, I'm also watching a superhero movie. So like, I'll forgive a certain yeah, there's, number of it. <laughs> We've already put our brain on pause for something. So yeah. 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 <laughs> but again, like, um, the emotional moments between, um, Trevor and Prince, the the emotional moments with um, Minerva as well. Kristen Wiig, um, she plays a decent range in this film. Uh, mostly I've been, known for I've been wondering about that. Mostly known for her comedic acting, which is usually the it's more the first act. She plays basically like a nerdy museum um, person with like six PhDs or something crazy. She's very smart and very awkward, and so she plays that well with her comedic background and stuff. But it's not meant to be laugh out loud funny. It's meant to be kind of like no one notices me. That's that sucks funny kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, but they quickly, get, they, they, they touch on some, some topics uh, in a good way, I guess. Um, but they, I, the way that she handles the change and how her character changes is, is more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Um, mm. Can't say I'm a big fan of how they handled her transition at the end. I think they could have done something a little bit more unique um, with that. Um, a lot of CG, but not bad. It still looks pretty good. You know, it's like, it's like when Gollum fights the hobbits, like you're not questioning that he's there, that kind of thing. Um, right. so they've, they've done some stuff there. And I've also, I've also seen some behind the scenes stuff. Cause I do follow, uh, Gal Gadot on, um, 
on Instagram. And back when it came out, she was showing like snippets of interviews and some behind the scenes with her and Kristen Wiig on set and like all the stunt training and all the, the dedication that Wiig put into the role uh, to play like a big Wonder Woman villain. Uh, actually, if not one of the biggest Wonder Woman villains, I think. I, I'm not as familiar with the comics as, as other people are. Um, but again, great, great performances from her. Um, everybody else is in it for a hot minute. It's really just the four of them, you know, um, Gal Gadot, Chris Prine, Kristen Wiig, and Pedro Pascal. Like that's basically the movie. Everybody else is throwaway and not worth, you know, mentioning, um, because they're <laughs> in it so, so little. Um, but, but that's good though. Cause in, in, in that way, and that's where I think the emotion comes to it because it's such a small core cast. And so much of the film is just about the four of them it feels like a small play when it gets into the emotional stuff. When Gal, oh, sorry, when, when Diana Prince and Steve Trevor are dealing with emotional moments between them, everything else around them vanishes and it's nice. mayhem that's happening around them. But it's important that you as the audience understand this connection and they do that really well. And I think they wouldn't have been able to do it if we were jumping around to six or eight main celebrity characters over the course of the whole film. Right. And you're not, you're sticking with these core four the entire way. Everybody else is just supporting. And it was a good decision. Um, Like there are some things that I think could have been different story-wise, but you know, again, you kind of have to deal with like, whether is that the screenplay? Is that the story? Um, You know, I mean, Patty Jenkins directing and of course written with Patty Jenkins, Jeff Johns, Dave Callahan. So like you can't really lay the, the, the blame for little moments at any one particular person's foot but um again um it's on hbo if you've got you know craven hbo then i mean i would give it a watch um i'm yeah, sure that was just, the consensus you know the last time what i talked about it on the show and i just looked it up because i don't have hbo and if you've if you've got an account with uh, cineplex.com you can actually watch it it looks like for six dollars and 99 cents Moving on into the Internet Minute, which is, of course, brought to you by you, dear listener. If you enjoy The Sizzle Cafe and you'd like to support the show, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash The Sizzle Cafe. Doing so will get you an invite to the member-only Discord server, including benefits like the bonus episodes. And um, Stephen and I recorded a little bonus track before the show tonight, so you'll get to listen to that. And that's at patreon.com slash The Sizzle Cafe. Patreon count this week is down to 20. We've, we've lost a few. Uh, I try to have at least one more person than we did the month before. So we've got lots of room for you. If you'd like to become 21, 2, 3, 4, or 5, then check out patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. And hopefully we will see you in the Discord where lots of nerdy conversations are taking place. This week is a trailer. And uh, I mentioned Disney Plus earlier. And this is one of the reasons why I have not unsubscribed is because the trailer for <laughs> the Book of Boba Fett is uh, on YouTube right now. And it reminded me of the reason why I'm keeping Disney Plus, which is uh, obviously Mandalorian season three, which starts on Christmas. Um, But Boba Fett is coming out sooner than that. As far as I know, maybe I missed the the date. It looks good. It looks well done. I'm concerned about the, the nostalgia milking. So Boba Fett is currently on the throne in Jabba's palace. And has been taking over his old haunt and i find it odd that he would do it but then also you know it's obviously a a more familiar place for star wars fans and Hmm. i feel like 
Star Wars fans know Boba Fett as just a really cool character and a really cool, we'll call him a villain because he's the one that takes Han Solo in Carbonite to Jabba the Hutt after retrieving him from Darth Vader. And I feel like they're trying to paint him as more of a hero. And I don't know if I'm down for that. I, I want Boba Fett to be a gangster or a, you know, bounty hunter slash. Bounty hunter, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's talking about like Jabba previously ruled with violence and fear. And I want to rule with respect. And I went, what? <laughs> You're a bounty hunter. I've seen bounty hunters in Star Wars. They don't respect anything other than do they get their bounty? And I mean, I say that. And obviously the Mandalorian with, um, I can't remember his name, Din Djarin? Din Djarin, I think. Losing Star Wars points. Anyway, um, so I mean, he obviously has a lot of respect and a personal code and all that kind of thing. But that's the thing about Boba Fett is like that so far he's not been built up as a, as a honor bound, you know, bounty hunter. He's, he's been built up as a villain. And I kind of wanted that. Like you can do a show about a bad guy. It's fine. Disney. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know? Uh, so I'm not sure it looks cool. I mean, uh, there's the cast is, is, is the people that you're familiar with. The special effects look cool. The set dressing and fight scenes and stuff. Uh, if they've learned anything from the Mandalorian, it'll feel like a Western serial. Yeah. But they obviously don't want to copy that either. So that's why I was kind of hoping for like, if you've got the Mandalorian, which is Star Wars meets Western serial, and then you've got the book of Boba Fett. And if that was like the Godfather meets Star Wars, hmm. I would be okay with that. But the Godfather can't be nice. <laughs> you know, like I need, yeah. I need, I need him to be kind of like a mean SOB. Right. Uh, it's so interesting we'll though, because they didn't, they didn't really go into a lot of Boba Fett's character I mean, I don't have as many Star Wars. It's all projected. It's all projected. Yeah. I get that. Like they, you, we don't know. And if any, if there's, if they flushed them out in the books, I haven't read them. Right. So yeah. there could be people saying like, oh, well, actually, you don't realize that this is canon and there's comics and they, I mean, there could be all kinds of stuff that I don't realize. But for mm -hmm. pop culture, for people that are yes. watching this now, um, like I, I feel like it might be a hard sell. Yeah, I mean, if all you've seen is the movies, which would be people like me, mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. he, he's the bad guy because Han Solo's, you know, one of the good guys. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and for me, that's how I know Boba Fett. Boba Fett is the fact that he's, he's the guy who caught and turned over Han Solo. So jerk, you know? <laughs> and back then he was, he was just in this armor that no, like no one knew what it was. It was just cool looking. He was just visually yeah. cool and spooky because you couldn't see his face and he had a cool voice. And then throughout things like Clone Wars and other media, then there's Mandalore and the Mandalorians and there's whole there's this whole lore behind them now. Whereas that's all outside of the Skywalker saga. Like it's which is fine and I like it all. But mm -hmm. it's it's stuff that if you don't know about it, and even if I do know about it, it's not dealing with Boba Fett specifically. It's dealing with Mandalorians, which is different. Because you get right. the idea that Mandalorians and Mandalore are one thing. And then Mandalorians that happen to be bounty hunters are different. Like it's a different hmm. thing. You've left, you've left the cult for the lack of a better way of saying <laughs> it, right? Like you're, yeah. you're off the team, you know, you're sideways, you're doing your own thing. Gone rogue. So anyway, uh, still looks 
like good and Star Wars and will be on Disney Plus without any extra charge for me. So I will be watching it because yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. I need I need uh, a thing in my life that I will just hit next on as opposed to tw- spending 20 minutes <laughs> trying to decide what to put next on. Right. Yeah. And I just looked it up. It looks like The Mandalorian is now happening in 2022. Oh, is it? And first episode of Boba Fett is December 29th. Right. Okay. So they've they've moved things around then. I would rather wait and have it be good than have it be pushed. Because normally yes. The Mandalorian is out now. It's normally like a, a, a Halloween sort of premiere. Because Netflix was doing like this, the Stranger Things Halloween premiere. And Disney Plus was like, no, no, no. Come watch The Mandalorian uh, over on our channel. So um, having to wait past the fall into holidays was already longer than usual. But again, I'm happy for The Mandalorian Season 3 to... Um, to just kind of go on and, and do something. Now, I don't remember where I saw this. It's a complete rumor. I, I don't have a reference, but I did hear that Hayden Christensen has been approached, if not has agreed to be in the Ahsoka spinoff series that they want to do for mm. for Disney Plus, uh, playing Anakin and or Darth Vader. So uh, cool and on board for that as well because i really enjoyed that aspect of of season two of the mandalorian so anyway there's enough star wars for an entire episode i'm sure uh but we'll have to wrap it up there that is the end of this episode of the citadel cafe you can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that we talked about at the citadelcafe.com music for the show was composed by kevin mcleod you can email us at the citadelcafe at gmail.com or follow the show by name on twitter you can subscribe for free on itunes google podcasts stitcher spotify and youtube One of the easiest ways to support the show, in addition to Patreon, which I mentioned earlier, is to just tell people about it. It's totally free. You can just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and say, hey, you should listen to Citadel Cafe. And here's where you can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am up to online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can check out my other podcast all about Minecraft at thespawnchunks.com. And you can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media. And I will point you towards Twitch at twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where I am streaming satisfactory Minecraft and hopefully some other cool stuff in the coming weeks as new games are coming out for the holidays. Steven, where can people find you online? I'm spending most of my time on Twitch as well these days, so you can come and hang out with me uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays on twitch.tv slash stevenesc. And again, that's Steven with the PH. Hope to see you there. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two.